0: Hi, this is Margie Hernandez, co-founder of Luxo. We are supporting the new digital and physical economy for the multiverse. And it just happens that you're listening to one of the smartest shows in the entire multiverse. Stay tuned to Edge of NFT and have fun and enjoy this episode.
1: Today on Edge of NFT, learn about how Luxo is laying the foundation of the future of digital fashion. How OpenSea
2: is keeping up with 98% of all NFT traffic with just 37 employees.
3: And how our guest today manages the pros and cons of living a fearless existence. Stay tuned.
2: Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next.
1: Today's episode features Marjorie Hernandez, co-founder of Luxo, the blockchain for a new digital lifestyle at the intersection of digital and physical goods, Marjorie is a multifaceted design and innovation expert, equal parts entrepreneur and designer. She has supported organizations across Europe to outward latent unmet needs into holistic experiences around them. an architect and designer by training. Marjorie spent most of her professional career creating ideas and concepts for her clients, ranging from well-known artists and creative agencies to one of the big four accounting firms. As the digital transformation and strategy executive, Hernandez collaborated closely with Ethereum and the IOTA Foundation. She takes special interests in the confluence of design and tech, as well as in which ways those can be used to promote well-being and create new business models. Marjorie also co-founded the Dematerialized Powered by Luxo, an experimental marketplace for fashion NFTs. Marjorie is a transformational leader in blockchain tech and fashion, and we are lucky to have her here to chat with us today. Marjorie, welcome.
0: Thank you, guys. That was so well done. Very impressive. Thank you for having me.
2: Yeah, that's because of your impressive background. Great having you here today. This is amazing.
0: (laughs)
3: You know, you're in the fashion industry. You know how starting off with the the right look is really important to uh, having a great day, right?
0: That's true. That is correct. I agree. The outside informed the inside, so vice versa. So it's
2: good. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Absolutely. Well, look, you know, we're, we're so pumped to hear about what you're doing, what you're up to with Luxo, and and everything that uh, that you can share with our listeners today. But we wanted to start kind of at the beginning and learn a little bit more about your first exposure to NFTs, like. What was that experience like? Was it something where you knew right away this was going to be the path for you or was it more of a slow burn?
0: I think I wouldn't say it was like a a super fast since the beginning, but I think I was pretty intrigued since the first time I heard about NFTs. I think it was the CryptoPunks. And then the next time I heard about it was with the CryptoKitties. And that was like back then for the Ethereum community was like a super big moment. It was like, oh my God. Ethereum network is full, it's like super challenging. There's not a transaction right now because everybody was breeding crypto kitties. And I think that gave us all of us like a taste of how blockchain technology will look. We all knew, you know, it was going to impact many industries but it was not clear of how those experiences were going to be, which products were going to be first. So that gave the first taste of how like, oh, this is what it would feel like for a regular consumer or buying a regular asset using blockchain technology that it's not just trading and you know speculating and doing all of that stuff. So I think, yeah, I think I was immediately intrigued, knew it was the beginning of something. But obviously per, per, as the time evolved, I got like more and more fascinated about it. And I think by 2017, I was pretty sure this is this is it.
2: Well I think like one of the interesting things too early on was so much of it was about trading and collectibles and the the full spectrum of possibilities around NFTs wasn't that evident or wasn't that talked about, right? So it, it was like that transition, at least for me personally, was was massive. It was mind-blowing, right? When I realized, wait, this can be used for much, much more than collectibles or nostalgic items, which is a huge market. I think it has a really big place here, right? But there's much more to this. Yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah, it begs the question, when specifically did the Luxo concept come together and how did it come together?
0: Yeah, I think, well, me and my co-founder Fabian, we, we went to university together here in Germany. And since then, you know, we always collaborated in all kinds of projects and, you know, did a, you know, projects in university, did film together, did a bunch of stuff together. And then when we started working, we were kind of like each one of us was in his own path. And obviously Fabian became part of the Ethereum Foundation and I was, I was doing a strategy and consultancy in Germany and in Switzerland and then you know at one point we kind of like you know we were discussing like one of the many nights we're always talking about something like thinking what it would be to basically create the tools because he had done ERC20 at that point in time and it was in the moment where it was starting to like get this mass adoption around ERC20 and then obviously it became super evident that like how when you standardize certain pieces in the smart contract you can create this network effect of like all of a sudden having adoption by, by, by unlimited amount of people. So basically at that point, we decided to what it would be if we will create the tools and the applications that would power creators of culture to enter the blockchain space and how it would be if we all of the sudden we will have the ability to tokenize cultural goods, you know, or consumer goods in a simple way and then kind of like have the same kind of like ability of scaling and monetizing like people had with ERC-20. So I think that was the beginning of it. And that was like 2017. And then at that point in time, you know, we were both having our respective jobs, etc. But by the end of 2017, we were pretty, pretty convinced with the idea of moving forward and just uh, putting those thoughts into into Luxo.
3: It's so interesting because we often talk about Edge of NFT as the intersection of technology and, and culture. And when you look at what's happened now, you're really pioneers and ahead of your time because that is the conversation. And when people ask, why, why are NFTs selling for thousands or hundreds of thousands or, or millions of dollars? It really has to do with this intangible around technology and culture that how do you describe that to people? Because it's, it's hard for people to grasp like what's going on here.
0: Yeah, it is, right? And I think, I think people are used to, first of all, like it goes to the immateriality and the untangibilities, if that's even English, and the dematerialization of the, of the good itself, right? Like I think including us, we come from like a world in which you invest your money in things that you can see and touch. So I think people have a, a challenge more around the, the lack of materiality of these goods, right? Even if you will have like a physical counterpart, I think the challenge goes around those things. But I think we we all understand that the value of things is more than the sum of its parts and it's not always related to the physicality, right? The value of the Mona Lisa is not the the canvas and the painting, you know, it's uh, all of these things around it. So I think what blockchain technology and all of these digital goods, what makes it basically makes very tangible, all of these intangible values, right? And makes it really easy for a creator, for an artist to basically be able to capture that value and to see the results of it immediately. So I think, you know, it's not, I don't think it's a foreign process. I don't think it's a process that is not related to how culture have worked until now but it's just all of a sudden we have it at a bigger scale, right? And kind of like these hype cycles become more evident. And, you know, the thing around scarcity is basically the whole NFT world is like a, a supreme shop 24-7, right? It's like this always demanding lines and people seeing and playing dynamics that uh, come up with the hype cycle. And I think we will have some of that hype cycle, but maybe it's a different conversation we can have later. But I think, you know, eventually we will have, a little bit of like normalization around consumption. This is something that I look forward. There's not about the hype and the crazy prices and how many millions for one NFT, but I think it's like that daily consumption of like every digital goods that gets purchased in the internet and the metaverse is happening over are effectively NFTs.
3: Yeah, I totally understand. I'm just thinking about our social media coordinator who who tries to take a quote from each episode and sort of turn it into a graphic. And you've just given her a lot to work with, so um, <laughs> I hope <laughs> we can check that box.
1: And yeah, we're going to note this timestamp here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Very cool. I'm happy. I hope it was
1: <laughs> very <laughs> so,
0: cool.
1: So you've talked a lot about you know your kind of enthusiasm for for what's going on with with NFTs and consumer goods and things like that. And I know you know before we got started here, you were chatting about. Uh, with us about how friends of yours in in the business world were, were saying, you know, why didn't you guys do something in DeFi, right? You have pretty serious background, the ability to do something that's not so engaged with, you know, typically fun, entertaining, consumer-based things necessarily. Why do you, do you think you picked that? Or what was your answer to people when they were asking you why you chose this instead of a DeFi project?
0: Yeah, very good. I mean, I think, first of all, from a personal interest perspective, obviously, uh, Fabian and I, we met at a design school. And prior, prior to that, I had to study architecture. So obviously personal interest is within like cultural and cultural goods. But I think, you know, the DeFi, I think all of the DeFi protocols are fascinating as they are. If there's not like a real economy around them, they become self-serving. Right. And I think what, you know, we have our back accounts and we have credit cards and all of this stuff, but we have them for what? Right. We want to buy cool stuff. That's the, the end game, right? We all want to be able to afford cool stuff that we like. And in that cool stuff, you know, it's uh, for me. And, you know, I think everybody who's younger than me, especially it mostly tends to be a digital good or a good that has a, a digital representation as well. So I think, you know. We feel at that moment in time, we thought this is like the, the biggest transformation of our time is obviously the dematerialization of consumption that can be powered by blockchain technology. And, you know, everybody was thinking about DeFi protocols because obviously all of the, the money that was being generated. But I think when it comes to real ma- mainstream adoption, I think we are all more excited about owning cool stuff. And we like that having being stakeholders in some DeFi protocol. I mean, that's cool and all, but I think what really fashioned most people is, you know, like kind of like a cultural interaction of some sort of consumer interaction. So it's kind of how we started, but it was really funny back then, especially I think for Fabian more than me, that, you know, why you're, you're a serious guy who did years at 20 while you were into like sneakers or whatever people thought at the time. We do something with DeFi, but I think, I think we we boasted a passion for culture and technology, so it was a no-brainer for us.
1: A quick follow-up: How long ago are we talking? Of course, this sounds like distant history, but yeah, you know, <laughs> how long ago were were people kind of asking you these questions and, and having these conversations?
0: Well, at the very beginning in 2017, you know, when we start thinking about the idea, I will I would say it to of people and I will go to like. My friends were in fashion and artists, yeah, and they were all super excited. They were like, I don't really understand what you're saying, but it sounds like it could be the future. So they were excited. And and our friends and contacts from the blockchain space, they were always quite skeptical.
3: Yeah, there's
2: so much.
0: Yeah, and last year changed.
3: What was the moment that everyone got it? Was it when you guys collaborated with Chanel, or, or was there a a particular like drop that you did where everyone was like, oh, wow. OK, this makes sense.
0: Yeah, well, we did collaborate with Chanel. We have two advisors from Chanel. And the the most recent and most relevant one is Eric Funda, who was at Chanel for 37 years and was the image director. So he and Karl Lagerfeld worked hand in hand for, you know, like it was like a marriage, a, uh, a creative marriage what they had. You know, we met and I told him the story several times. And he told me, like, you know, Carl would have been fascinated by this. He would have been the first person to to jump into the into this bag of technology because Carl was, he was fond of technology. was something that he really liked. So, obviously, when you have a person like him with all of his heritage and all of, you know, the, his cultural value, everything that he's done, obviously, it validates for a lot of people. I think in in kind of like the general perception of blocks so people can kind of like start changing. It was around the lockdown, and they were started realizing, okay, it might be up to something when they keep talking about dematerializations of goods and spending a lot of time in virtual environments. When everybody was in confinement, it was like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. We all need uh, the, these avenues of consumption that they are not physical ones. But yeah, it definitely, obviously, like the, the things that we have achieved through, through our network and the business development activities and our advisory board, obviously, have definitely have like, support of the argument.
1: Very cool. It's interesting, you know, how this that you know the quarantine and the virus have sort of accelerated and influenced a lot of this stuff and made it made it real and tangible mm-hmm. for folks, you know. I have been working on virtual projects too, you know, since the same time around 2017 you know had a lot of people scratching their heads and then (laughs) and then jumping on board around 2019 and it's interesting to see as we get back into travel too you know there's there's a there's an idea that okay people can get out of their houses and, and get off out of the digital world here and so maybe they're not gonna care as much but interestingly enough i mean look if you look at me where i'm traveling i'm traveling to Los Angeles to, to go visit Josh so we can work on our podcast about NFTs. Right.
0: <laughs> exactly. Oh, for example, I mean, the best example, I use my son, like my, like my research, you know, he's also I get inspired by the th- stuff that he's interested in because he's the consumer of the future. Like literally for the last three, maybe even four years, he has not asked for anything that is physical besides hardware. Everything wow. he wants to buy is digital. And he's always in Discord with his friends having this obviously during the lockdown, they were all the time on Discord hanging out together. He's 10 years old. And then when they, you know, they do these parties and then you know they make the slangs like to buy the Roblox thing in the Gucci Roblox drop. And they were screaming out of the top of the lungs. You know, <laughs> like they are the excitement for these goods, you know. I take Joshua anywhere, he's being in all over the world in any type of city. He likes it, he enjoys it, he appreciates it, likes seeing the architecture and the art, but he doesn't want to buy anything. Like I take him into shops and what do you want? Nothing. His grandmother gave him, I think 50 euros for his birthday. And he was, he chose me the money. He's like, what can I do with this?
1: How do I convert this to ether?
0: Yeah. And he was like, don't worry. You give it to me and then you can use it from my credit card. You know, like he, he, and he's like always trying to mine crypto and all of this stuff, you know, so he understands it. And it's not obviously he's our kid, but so much his friends are the same. So there's an intrinsic interest, and I think it's there's a generational shift. There's also a different understanding about the value of digital goods. Like we are all observing this almost as anthropologists, because even if we are not that old, we weren't born with it. Like we didn't born looking into an iPhone. This was sci-fi for us. So we're still trying to understand a phenomenon that is still slightly outside of our initial nature. Why for these guys? This is nature. This is the built environment. This is how it is. It's been part of their life since the beginning. So there is an understanding and appreciation for the digital good that is just as real and as important as anything else, if not even more.
2: Right? Grandma, you don't, you don't have a MetaMask? Grandma, what are you <laughs> doing? That's crazy, yeah. <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Totally. Like, Joshua will prefer like, tell him, like, hey, do you want to get this Rolex for your 18th birthday or do you want a Bitcoin? He will tell you he prefers the Bitcoin. Right, like he will.
2: What a world! Yeah, it's amazing. Well, look, let, we haven't we haven't like given folks the goods on Luxo yet. So, you know, mm-hmm. tell them Luxo is why it's important to the space and, and a little bit more about the platform.
0: Amazing, yeah. Great question. So, Faren's and nice mission and all of our team's mission is to basically to demystify and make it very simple for creators and users to utilize and interact with blockchain technology. So that's kind of like the core premise. Basically, we wanted to make it super simple for anyone to be able to issue, manage, and control their NFTs or whatever type of digital goods they might own. So that was the, the main premise of Luxor. So when we started, obviously, we have our own network, which is an Ethereum sister chain. For us, it's super important to remain compatible with Ethereum. But then we're putting most of our time in our research and development time and Fabian's time into basically standardizing the core pieces. Um, that we think are the super important parts to to create that ecosystem. And we came down to the key components, basically, identity, identity of the user, of the creator, and the identities for the products. So we, being, we have created this complex matrix of a sta- a smart contract standards in order to enable different types of interaction and different types of NFTs to exist. The main tool being something that we call the universal profile, which is supposed to represent your on-chain profile. It's supposed to be nothing to do with your heart identity. It's just your on-chain profile where you effectively will issue and receive NFTs. So it's that identifier, that place where you can go and verify this was issued by Virgil Abloh, was issued by chanel was issued by joshua you know and then from there start going to the market and transferring etc so we have kind of like taking the complexity away from it having like you know password there you know the key management and all of that stuff have been simplified tremendously and then basically we see that as the the key component that is necessary in order to have that that mainstream kind of like adoption of blockchain tech and this is something that we better test extensively on my second venture, which is the Dematerialize, which is a digital fashion marketplace, in which we basically, we are targeting regular fashion consumers, people who love fashion, who are into trends, they love the digital stuff, but they don't, they get intimidated by the whole crypto kind of like scene. Basically, they just come into our website, the issue in the profile is super simple, they can purchase in a very seamless fashion. We transfer the ownership all in the background and then they can manage the profiles. And it's very, very easy. In the same way, kind of like in the same way you, you manage your, any of your current, um, social media accounts.
3: And with Dematerialize, is this digital only or digital and physical or, or a mix of both?
0: Yeah, it's, mo- it's, it's meant to be on digital only. We did a drop with a physical, one physical garment, and it was very cool because the designer, she's very, very conceptual, very smart. Her name is Gala from Tribute Brand. And basically what we had on the side, was an NFT with an audio file of her describing the, uh, the product and a picture of the texture of the fabric that she was going to use. And it was one of a kind. So that it was made for the person who bought it. So we have these moments in which we might go digital, but we prefer to remain digital most times.
3: Very cool. So taking a, a step back, you know, you've been a pioneer in, in this space. What do you see as the future of Web.30 consumer consumption and what challenges do we need to solve along the way? What's, what's, what's coming down the pike?
0: Yeah, super good question. I think, you know, I think right now there's a lot of problems that Luxo is solving and the other companies are solving. The people have not realized yet their problems. But I think once people start realizing like all of the, that money that we are giving into buying skins in games and all of the money we're investing online is really, we are not buying anything. We are just Gaining access, so we're just paying for the right to access a specific thing. Once you start realizing you're not really owning a thing, that really consumer kind of like need of like, if I'm going to give you my money, I want to own something. I really want to have the access regardless of your platform, regardless if you still are in business in 10 years, or if you don't like me anymore and you want to blacklist me, I want to own my stuff. So I think once that consumer pressure is going to come, and I think it's going to come super soon, then all of the where we will have is the most of the things that you can buy and that you consume online are in some form of a, on or another NFT or a token. So I think it will be like the, the means of consumption in that future of the internet on the metaverse is going to be some sum of blockchain asset. So I think that's the future. And how do we get there is to make it easier. You know, it just has to be, the user journey has to be simplified. It comes down to that, right? It sounds very like, okay, obviously, but it's really something needs to happen, right? Like mask and all of that steps are, they're massive, like barriers of entry. I know a lot of people get intimidated. A lot of women get intimidated, you know? So people, we need to simplify that and that's something that, you know, Luxo is proposing, I think it's the absolute killer application, what we're doing with universal profiles. And, you know, it's something that obviously could be implemented in Ethereum as well, because we are going to publish everything open source. So I think having that ability to have your own chain profile and that being your profile that you 100% control, where your ownership is sitting, where your identity is sitting, and from there you have the access to different applications and games, etc. is kind of like the paramount of what is really needed
3: will that on-chain profile work across chains because now there's NFTs on Matic and Solana and you know BNB uh, or or Binance smart chain is that is that the goal
0: yeah well i think yeah right i think you know there's for sure a lot of a lot of like technical impediments that i'm not 100% uh, aware of of what it would mean to actually do it i know they will, you could have the same standard deployed, for example, on Ethereum. That by no means, that you still have two separate profiles. You have a profile on Luxo and a profile on Ethereum, right? But I think, you know, I think the NFT world now, it feels pretty big, but I think we're also... We are all in the monkey cage. It's, ice cage. it's a nice cage, this monkey cage. And so it looks, it feels bigger than it is, right? So I think it's not that big yet. And I think, you know, it's like, you know, the few, in the past thinking, oh, I have Facebook and I have MySpace and I have whatever. And at this point, like most boys and girls are posting just in Instagram. So I think it will come a point where you, fa- you have that one place that you just really, really like the stuff that you own in the past you realize you cannot really verify the offer and there's a lot of problems with those NFTs and they might actually don't be as valuable as you thought. So you might not be too much thinking about the past and just thinking about the future in that place where you have access to all of the cool stuff and your profile is easy to use, et cetera.
1: Thanks for going into that detail about, you know, your ideas of universal public profiles. I know Luxo's working on, you know, this new digital economy, including uh, cultural currencies, digital certificates as well. We haven't really explicitly talked about the roadmap. You know, we've alluded to various things, but uh, what can you say about the roadmap uh, for Luxo from this
0: point forward? Yeah, well, 2021 is a very important year for us. It has been, you know, a lot of the things that we, we've we been talking and working on, and they're coming to fruition. So we are, you know, expecting to deploy it and, you know, release a lot of the things that we have built by the end of the year, between now and the end of the year. So that includes our mainnet and, you know, the, a stable version of universal profiles and, you know, the, the universal profile extension. And we are also coming with a, with a digital wallet, which is like a digital fashion app where you can hold NFTs, you can wear them, you can do all kinds of stuff with them. So these are the things that we have in the pipeline that we, you know, we're hoping and looking forward to releasing before the end of this year. Obviously Luxo is a German company, so it has a very Germanic culture. So until things are not as good as they can be, there's a, a very strict CTO who won't let them be out before before they are at the standards so you know it's it's you know it's the the culture is very germanics so is very understated it's like under promised or over deliver which i i personally enjoy so yeah so we are hoping by the end of this year to have a lot of that stuff
3: like yeah i saw your your blog entry just talking about how you guys are so intentional with not over hyping Things and it, it's definitely you know a slim minority of folks that that approach things that way. So it's great and 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 you know it's it's really important I think to the industry that that we we do what we say and we say what we do.
1: Yeah, we try our best to have that ethos too here. You know, I think that's why. People are paying attention, right? There's, of course, that it's, it's interesting how you put it, Marjorie. You know, there's that hype and there may be a place for it in the, you know, in the coming days. But you're re- really trying to take a reserved approach to this and, and really think long term. And what's the foundation here, right?
0: Yeah, it's absolutely. Because I think it's very easy to be seduced by the, the opportunity of creating hype around something. And But the, the point with the hype cycle is that, you know, it's very difficult to maintain long term and i think you know there has to be a certain level of organic growth attached to it and actual substance it will be us in the best case as well so you know we just try to make sure that we are building you know we have invested invested a lot of time into you know making sure that we issue our token in germany that we are we are you know in compliance with uh, german regulatory law you know we have put a lot of effort into creating not only you know a very solid legal foundation but also from the way the company the companies operate to have it very very solid made in Germany all of that stuff so we are really thinking about like you know if you want to be something that lasts really long you have to have patience and you know we hope and you know that by the point everything is ready and we're ready to launch then we we can enter organically some of these cycles of extreme excitement around certain around center topics yeah
1: you know, I was looking over your LinkedIn profile and saw that you were a chapter ambassador for Singularity University, correct? Oh, and I think okay. that's an interesting overlap, you know, with what you're doing. And it's a very forward thinking organization. We like to get a perspective from folks about what they think is going to happen long term. You know, how do you see the 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 industry of NFT three, five, ten years from now or, or kind of where things are going love an answer from you on your thoughts about the far future. And if you have anything to add from your experience with working with Singularity, uh, I'd love to hear that as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I really like the the Singularity. I had like a a great week in there. I saw saw it like summer camp for adults. Once you become a grown-up and you're not in university anymore, like you just don't hang out. At least I don't, I don't just hang out. Like I'm either working or doing this or doing that, but you just don't hang anymore. And it's just great because it's like you go for a week and then there's like a bunch of people very are interested you just hang and listen to really smart people talking about different topics. And I think it's really cool for, for, for your brain to shake things up every now and then and put new content and stuff like that. There's this author, Edward De Bono, he talks a lot, a lot about how creativity works Basically, creativity works when you have to constantly destroy your built in kind of like reactions. Like, if you think about a house, then the archetype appears into your brain. So, you have to constantly break those archetypes up. So, I thought, like, I will go there and see what you can do for me and my archetypes. So, it was super cool, it was super interesting and obviously sometimes it feels a bit cultish but it's super super interesting and I think they have really fair points and I think it comes down also to what you know what you guys were asking before around like what why is the hype around NFTs and why is the value and how do we explain it to people right and I I think it's, it's in a world where we know computers are going to be better than us at pretty much everything like I think that creative value and that impredictability and kind of like spontaneity of humans is going to be a real asset, you know? And I think in the future economy, I think creative goods are going to be the most appreciated that we can trade. And I think, yeah, everything that you will be buying in the digital world will be an NFT and effectively a lot of goods that you buy in the physical world, especially luxury stuff, they might need to have some sort of digital tokenized presence that can be also seen as an NFT, or potentially they will be for sure NFTs. So I think, you know, otherwise, you know, when I bring, meet my friends from brands, I always tell them like a handbag without a digital identity, is like an iPhone without a battery, this sweet, great photo de- design does nothing for you. So, you know, you need to have that layer of experience on top of stuff.
1: Cool. Yeah. Fascinating. Totally agree. Creativity is our, is our number one asset as humans.
3: Mm-hmm. So Marjorie, one last question before we wrap is, you know, besides what you guys are doing at Luxo, what other project in this space excite you with regard to NFTs?
0: Yeah, well, my my personal favorite is Artifact Studios. I think they're absolutely brilliant. I also think they might have one of the most talented teams. They created an insane amount of creative output by just by three people for a very long time. So I think artifacts are are really, really cool. I enjoy their their work and everything they do. Um, There's another digital artist called Neri Future. He's Russian, very cool stuff, impressive CGI work. So a couple of cool, really, really cool creators. And I'm, well, there's a guy in our community in so He goes under Alt Anonymous in Twitter incredible. I mean, the stuff that he produced, I'm like, how, when do you have the time to produce this amount of creative content? Having a full-time job on top. And yeah, and a lot of the projects that are associated with Luxo, like the Dematerialize, which is uh, my venture. And then our friend Dennis Lisk, which is fairly famous uh, German rapper, He's doing this VR club, basically like mirroring Berlin nightlife scene in the digital world. Very exciting project. The guys from FanZone, who are tokenizing for collectibles, and they are venture the spin out of from um, Porsche. They're doing a lot of really cool stuff with the German football team, soccer team. So you know, very interesting stuff. So in general, I think there's a lot of really good projects all over the digital fashions, uh, the, the NFT space. But I think what it's kind of missing is to bring some of the. All people, the the heritage to, to to our space that would be interesting to have some, you know, like amazing, you know, what we will do some of that stuff, you know, like Carl Lagerfeld, we were doing with the Carl Lagerfeld archive and things like that it would be super cool to to have more of those.
2: Awesome, yeah. No, take notes, listeners. We have got some uh, some very cool projects out there. If you haven't heard of them, it'd be great to uh, to run those down and, and see what you think for yourself.
1: Hi there. Let me interrupt one sec with a special secret. Here at Edge of NFT, we want to loop you in on the best kept secrets in NFT right now. So this might be the first time you've heard of it, but you need to know about Koi, especially if you are a creator or even if you're just a supporter of groundbreaking projects. You need to dive into Koi ASAP and you can do so absolutely for free. Here is the best way. Go to edgeofnft.com slash Koi. That's edgeofnft.com K-O-I-I. Two eyes. There you can find out how to install the Finny Chrome plugin, publish your first 50 NFTs for free, and start earning koi whenever anyone visits your NFTs. Imagine a world where sites like Facebook and Instagram would allow creators to earn every time their posts are viewed. This is what koi is built to support. Plus, koi is built to scale globally without killing the planet. Go to edgeofnft.com/koi Install the Finny Chrome plugin right now, publish your first 50 NFTs for free, and start earning Koi today.
2: Well, what do you say, guys? Should we uh, transition from segment one to segment two and hit some edge quick hitters?
1: Yeah. Ready? Yeah, Marjorie's going to have some good answers. Okay. <laughs> so
2: edge quick hitters are a fun, quick way to get to know you a little better. There are 10 questions and we're looking for just a short single word or few word response, but feel free to expand
1: if you get the urge.
3: <laughs> All right. For, for our audience at yeah, home, Marjorie yeah. just like cracked her fingers and kind of took, took a pause. She's ready. She's, yeah, ready, she's ready
1: for a boxing match. <laughs> All right. Let's dive in. Question number one.
2: What is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life?
0: I think it was a city from Oasis.
2: <laughs> nice.
0: When I was like 11 or something.
2: (laughs) That's awesome. Question number two. What is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life?
0: Oh, well, I was really good at drawing in school. So I will sell like uh, for the art class or the drawing classes. I will sell my talent to my fellow students and make their homework for them in exchange for money. (laughs)
2: Nice. (laughs) Good service, yes. I see, I see all the, the background, you know, the the city and the architecture and the design. See, it's all it's all coming together in your history.
0: All come together. Yeah. Make NFTs so out of the homeworks. So.
2: Right. Oh, that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Question number three. What is the most recent thing you purchased?
0: Mm, I bought botega vaneta hamba.
2: I'm not familiar with that. Is that is this a
0: that uh... is it's a yeah. cool it's a cool brand and the designer used to be part of Phoebe Philo's team at celine which is like a cool thing right now old celine because cb Philo uh, hasn't worked in a while so he was one of her guys and yeah i got a handbag from them
1: nice yeah. clearly we need marjorie to hook us up with some fashion consulting i think
0: <laughs> anytime you need a, you, you, all, all three of you look great but if you ever want to Add some more, let me know.
1: <laughs> She's really good at lying too. <laughs>
2: uh, it's we not got.
0: true. It's not true. let <laughs> your personal style. Less play.
2: Well, let's move on to Question number four. What's the most recent thing you sold?
0: Oh my God. It sold something. Shares from the dematerialized. I did a free seat. I guess that counts as selling.
2: Okay. Yeah.
0: So shares of my company, yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we like that. We like that, absolutely. (laughs) Number five, what is your most prized possession?
0: Oh, that's a very difficult question. I mean, I think, I I don't want to say something cheesy, but I think it's like my son, he's a boy. So boys are not very expressive, but he does like very nice letters every now and then. It's like two sentences. But if those will be gone, I will be devastated. Mm. Yeah, everything else can, I don't care. But those letters are cool.
3: Those letters. What's like an example of, of something he said in one of his letters?
0: Well, he says he did an essay at school that he gave me after. They have to make an essay about something they really like. And he said, I really like my mom because she never gets angry at me and she always understands me. And I was like, yes. Sorry, that's so special,
2: to. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. Yeah. That's, that's so great. that's
0: really cool. And he's a guy. So by the time he's 13, he's never going to write me a letter ever again. Right? So, <laughs> so that's <laughs> going to be gone.
1: You could
2: be, cre- yeah, you could be nurturing like a superpower. That's amazing. Magic,
0: magic.
1: I can see how those, those sweet letters also might be useful in getting out of trouble in other situations too. Yeah. So he might continue. Like, he might continue when he's a teenager. <laughs> exactly.
0: <Yes, that's true. laughs> So I, those notes I like. Uh, that's, uh, if, I, if everything will be burning, I will try to reach for those. And then, then that's I That's sweet. Yeah. That's
2: very sweet. Yeah. Mm. Question number six. If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical, service, and experience that's currently for sale, what would it be?
0: Ooh. It has to be something possible, right? It has something that you can actually buy. It, buy Ideally, right? yeah. Yes. Ideally. Um... Ooh, if you had think, another
1: yeah. idea that isn't, you know,
0: yeah, I are fascinated I will, to hear. Yeah, yeah, I think I would like to buy like a very extensive piece of land in South America, somewhere between Venezuela and Brazil and that area. That's the future of the planet with right down there. So see like an amazing piece of land where I can deal like something really cool.
1: I've got my eye on an <laughs> island in Argentina if you want to split it.
0: Ooh, this, you know, you know but from, people from a bit north of South America, we tend to have our reservations with Argentinians. It's all <laughs> jokes. Uh, we love Argentinians, but we, we tease them because they're too good at football and they think they're so great, which they are, but we tease them. So, but yeah, Argentina is good. definitely interesting. I mean, I have a phobia against islands. I don't like islands. I like to be able to live by via Earth. Like not not boats, not swimming. Like want to be able to go. But it sounds good though. If you get it, I will go visit. But I think what I when but the first thing that came to mind, Jeff, when you asked me that question was like, oh, unlimited time to do things that normally don't fit in the schedule. Like if I could buy time, but that's not really feasible.
2: Uh yeah, the one resource we can't buy back. The, Man, the we can buy back. Exactly. Well let's move on to question seven. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would that be?
0: Ooh, yeah, there's something I like about me. I, I'm not very afraid of things. So like going to a new country, completely changed my life. I'm not afraid of those things. I'm afraid of other stuff, but like very massive things. I'm not very afraid. So I think it's just feeling brave like brave enough to like follow your whatever you need to follow and feel adventurous. Like being an explorer, I think I'm a bit of a nature of explorer. But I think a lot of people in the new world, we tend to have that trait, being a bit of explorers. But yeah, I think not being afraid of risk.
2: Very valuable, I think, as well. Yeah, that's great. Flip side of that, question eight. If you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would that be?
0: Well, I I was thinking, (laughs) it's very good that you follow up because uh, that personality trait comes together with also being very like not impulsive but you can be you change you can change direction relatively fast because you're not afraid of changing direction and that sometimes can be difficult for the people near you so i think being you know better at communicating and you know being more thoughtful about people's feelings in your in your adventurous nature is something that I would like to have, that I'm trying to improve, communicate better with others and, yeah. you know, also understand that not everybody feels comfortable taking a lot of risks. So you have to like, take it easy.
1: I get that one. <laughs> you freak the people out around you. What
0: are you doing yeah. now?
1: What is this? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? <laughs>
0: Where you know? yeah. Yeah, so.
2: Take the time to convince them to get on that bus with you. Right. You know, the bus to the unknown
0: exactly 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 so communicating is good
2: Uh, yeah indeed so question nine what did you do just before joining us on the podcast
0: Mm, good question Well, i had a, a coffee and a piece of chocolate because i always think my brain works better on coffee and chocolate i'm south american so you know and i talked to my team we are planning to go to new york next week so we were planning the new york trip
2: oh that sounds amazing last question easy one question 10 what are you going to do next after the podcast?
0: After the podcast, I will drive home to hang out with Joshua, the other Joshua, my Joshua, who is at, at home. And then I am hosting uh, a friend who is coming over for dinner and is going to help, help us out with some UX stuff.
2: Sounds awesome. Sounds like a great evening. Mm-hmm. So that's Quick Hitters. Thanks so much for playing with us. It was great to, uh, to hear your answers. It was so uh, cool. I think we got some uh, some hot topics to dive
1: into as well. What do you think? Let's dive in. All right. Sounds good. I also appreciate my coffee and chocolate as well, Marjorie. Chocolate, huge fan. OpenSea's team of 37 staff is currently handling 98% of combined NFT volumes. Okay. Well, I was just on OpenSea this morning and last night, you know, getting really excited about NFT is, you know, producing them, buying them, all this stuff. So I can see that, but I didn't realize they only have a team of 37 and there's a lot going on in that site, a lot of volume as well. So 2.84 billion (laughs) in trading volume over the past 30 days, daily volume hit an all-time high on Saturday of 200, and 24.6 million from 111,800 transactions over the 24-hour period. That is a ton.
3: It's fascinating to me, and I was having this conversation with some folks at Bright Moments the other day, as much as we value decentralization and you know spreading out the opportunities to different people to create NFTs and all these different platforms something about human nature seems to be pulling us towards an aggregator where we can easily access everything that's available for sale and look at trends and data all in one place. And and these guys have a major upper hand given sort of their, their market position. I just find the convenience factor to be such a significant part of the equation. What are your thoughts, Marjorie?
0: Well, amazing. I'm very happy to hear they're doing so well because they're really, really good people working in there. I think you know, I think the the concept of decentralization that necessarily it's I don't think it correlates necessarily to the fact of having like like curators and you know, people who select things for you. I think even more in a decentralized environment, you have more that need for that curation and people finding the, those cool hunters who will find the stuff for us and put it in a place where we can all find it and we don't have to look in the vast universe to find the stuff that we like. So I think those figures are going to be super super, super important still. And I think curation and tastemaking and all of that is going to be even more so important because these this power structures are kind of like breaking down, right? We know from how the publishing world is suffering and how Vogue... Is not as important as it used to be. So all of the starting the test making and the creation, I think they would be more simple figures than than these massive, you know, editors that we used to have. And you will have a plethora of people that you follow that you like and they will create a content for you. I think OpenSea you was just super fortunate that they've been one of the first ones to like create a super cool kind of like user experience. I don't really like the blue, but they're super cool.
1: Yeah, uh, th- we got a tweet from their CEO, uh, referral bonus. We'll pay one ETH to anyone who connects us to engineers or designers that we hire resumes to open C roles at gmail.com. I think one ETH is a little stingy, to be honest, but for a good, for a
0: good,
1: for a good engineer or designer, I think they probably be, should be willing to pay a little bit more actually. But yeah,
2: I would say like, yeah, the 37 people managing all those transactions is really bananas. And you know, they have a long way to go, I think, to continue to up their game around their platform. It's relatively st- straightforward and simple, but it's also impressive that it's not like crashing every day, right? <laughs> There's so mm. much flowing through that platform that they're able to, to maintain it is actually you know pretty darn impressive for me. And you know, they got to grow the team. They raised a bunch of money. I think it was like $100 million and they got to find people to come on board and help out.
1: I have to say, I was on there, I think it was last night, and I got a notification. It said something like that the site, I don't want to say it was down, because that would be... Very specific, and I don't have that information for sure. But it was something about the site wasn't working, and it said, you know, Cloudflare, you know, supports this site, so there's sort of like a version of the site up to support it. But I found that interesting, right? I, I don't know if they're doing some maintenance or, you know, something something went wrong. But uh, I could see how that could happen given the volume that's going on right now.
0: And it also shows you how you can build really amazing stuff with not an insane large team. I think, you know, a lot of tech startups, they also have this inflation of hires and hires and hires. And sometimes a couple of people just can get efficiently more done than a very large team. So I think it doesn't show you like how much people do you need to.
1: Yeah. Before I move on to the next topic, just also one thing that's interesting it's supported by the blockchain, right? Like like all of the transactions and the ownership. So what's cool is if, if the site does go down or something like that, right? It, nobody necessarily loses out on the things that they own, right? Um, it's just like a place for, for viewing and, and transacting around those things.
0: Yeah, and this is, this is the amazing thing about decentralization. It's just that the, the platform just becomes a window. It's just an interface to a thing that is happening in like this parallel I mentioned, right? And it could be any application on top. So I think even more so becomes like down to that experience. You have to be exciting, like exciting, has to be easy, has to be amazingly curated because it could be anywhere, right? And I think the basic example is what everybody says: like, okay, you Uber in the decentralized world is just a smart contract and it's not a It's not a corporation, right? It's just a smart contract that matches and processes the transaction. So I think, you know, it comes down to all of a sudden there's like different different power dynamics. And, you know, I think it comes down to having a really, really good product more than just controlling a market share because you, you know, got there first. Wow,
1: look out Uber. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's very interesting actually. Next uh, hot topic on the block here. Rolexes and Lamborghinis are so yesterday. NFTs are the new digital flex. Bitcoin's bouncing around 50,000. DeFi is seeking to go mainstream. But all anyone in the digital asset world wants to talk about are NFTs. Um, Yeah. And we alluded to this earlier, right? And and it it, it may just be, you know, what we experienced in in what I the sort of the middle of my generation of this sort of like digital native kind of thing uh, concept right so it was easy for me to understand email and surfing the web and things like that whereas you know my parents are still having difficulty getting on a zoom call right and i watched my three-year-old you know watching shows on on, uh, on netflix and getting really excited about characters and all these things i can't help but imagine oh one day he's gonna want to continue to engage with that character through more digital engagements and have NFTs around that and all that stuff. So yeah. What are your thoughts though on this, you know, specific call out about like Lamborghinis and watches?
3: Yeah. I'll just mention, I've been diving into Clubhouse more and um, someone jumped on late at night, very excited because there was a Twitter spaces conversation with one of the owners of West Coast Customs, which is a, a very high-end car dealership. I don't know if they just do purchases or rentals, but Paris Hilton is one of their clients. And they just drop some digital cars that are sort of like, kind of like Matchbox cars version of their cars that you can buy, that gives you some kind of access to their community. And I think some association with being able to see the cars, maybe driving them, different levels of, of rarity. And that was like a moment of awakening for me that, you know, this luxury car company felt compelled to dive into digital cars. And and this was an older gentleman that doesn't know a lot about NFTs and he's super excited. They're working with Origin, the drop. I'll just share with folks. Let's see, it's called uh, drops.wccnft.com. But they have these limited edition luxury cars on the blockchain. So I think that says it all.
0: Especially if you think about the archives, everything that is vintage, all of the Ferraris, they were made well and so was still alive. They're like one of the most beautiful things ever done by any human, you know, and you never get to see them. And, you know, you could just issue them digitally and, you know, give them a, a second, second life effectively right and bring them again so i think there's a massive there's a massive opportunity in there just for anybody who has created culture just to bring your archive back to life but i think what you were saying about uh, nfts being the ultimate flex i think the ultimate flex in the future is going to be access to things so belonging to uh, x community x to give you access to something and i think this is something that can be granted and, and built through you know the form of nfts like If you hold this NFT, you have access to this drop, you have access to this thing, you have access to this community. And I think that's kind of like how one can define the new luxury is basically having access.
2: I agree wholeheartedly. It, it, the community element of it is the thing that that really stands out to me. So different from you know buying a, a Lamborghini and and you know driving down Sunset in it. You, you may get some looks some love. You could talk about it with people, but fundamentally, like that that's not what's going to be in your uh, in your Instagram profile. That's going to get you the love. It's being part of the community now. When you have your CryptoPunk or your your board ape, you know, and the community that's being built around that, the access to other people, the admission to events, the other perks that come along with it and being able to share that with other people that experience the same thing or want to experience that thing. That these are some of the elements that I see that really jump out. So I, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Community is driving, I think, the the, the ultimate flex here that's evolving in the space.
1: Yeah, uh, just to dive a little deeper into the, what, you know, the article kinds of calls out some of the things to the, to the novel reader, right? That are going to sound a little bit ridiculous. Uh, someone who spent $1,300 on a pudgy penguin for his niece's birthday. He said he sent her this penguin and a few days later that penguin's worth $7,000. Also, of course, you know, mentioned some of these, you know, Other projects that to someone who is not (laughs) involved in it might sound kind of crazy, like the Bored Ape Yacht Club or something like that. I know like before the most recent dip in the crypto market, I was farming bananas, you know what I mean? And uh, (laughs) I think there's these certain things that start to sound ridiculous. And I know I see that part of this part of the NFT craze is almost making fun of the ridiculousness of it. Right. So l- let's get into pudgy penguins. Like, let's make this thing ridiculous. Let's have a lot of fun with it. But to call back to to Lamborghinis. Right. If you look at these cars that people still to this day. Right. It's a long lasting, high value asset that people want to put tons and tons of money into. It's a select group of people, but they continue to do it. I'm just curious, like Marjorie, before we ha- head on to the, n- the next hot topic, your thoughts on that, like, you know, what High really high value expensive things are are still going to be around despite the ridiculousness of how they sound. Maybe ridiculous to someone to buy a car for you know hundreds of thousands of dollars, but they're doing it
0: yeah well i don't know i think I think the perception of value is very subjective, and what people find valuable is like you know if some if you know aliens were to land here tomorrow, they wouldn't understand why we find luxury watches the thing is like that's pieces of metal with little mechanical pieces and you think they are the shape. Like, you know, I think it's very difficult to to explain what what value really means and why somebody, you know, why is the picture of the penguin not as valuable as this other picture? You know, there's a lot of like subjective factors and and you know, also the cultural moment. And the first one you know Duchamp put a pissoir in a museum was a major cultural moment, you know, maybe you know, it would be the same, it would be an NFT, maybe it would be seen ridiculous. Back then, people told you Duchamp was being ridiculous, right? But it's like a massive moment in art art history. So I I think the ridiculous is super important. And I think it challenged why what we consider valuable. Like, why do you think this has value versus that? So I'm totally fond of the ridiculous as well. I think it's totally fine. And I think, you know, the, you know, it can sound like you know, luxury cars, luxury watches, luxury handbags—anything. There is a luxury. I think that there will be moments where they become obsolete. Certain products might start becoming obsolete, and the luxury will be considered something else. You know, there is David Fisher, the the founder from Heist of IoT. He said, "Brands are the new bands." He says, "Like young people today are more passionate about brands." Then, you know, it was the same, like when we were super fans of any, you know, any of these of bands and whatever, it's now what the, what the brands are. And, you know, the, a brand is a very soft IP. Like it's very, it's very soft what they're selling. It's not very deep, right? So I think, you know, the perception of value is a totally human-made subject, you know, completely subjective. So I think whatever people want to see as luxury and as, you know,
3: up to them. Okay, so check this out. Somebody at that same event at Bright Moments predicted that people will eventually be wearing green screen-esque body suits where the only way you see what they're actually wearing is if you have like the right NFT or the right glasses and that those in these body suits can more based on where they go and the level of rarity of the NFT, and they can put on different NFTs for different days. Is we didn't talk about this earlier, <laughs> but this whole conversation is making me feel like this person is not
0: that far off. I don't think he's far off or she's far off at all. I think, and I think that's kind of like kind of scary because all of a sudden, okay, let's say I don't think it would be a green suit. I think it could be because it's not a green screen, right? Like, AI, augmented reality technology is going to be a bit more sophisticated that require a bunch of green suits walking around. And then they will start wearing <laughs> green suits. It's a bit strange. So they will find their silhouette. Maybe we'll be all walking around like Trinity and Catwoman, boys and girls equally, be very tight skin, you know, kind of like onesies. So we can enhance ourselves digitally. I think the funny thing will be, okay, I can choose what people see me on, right? Like, and I can have me here this, this nice, Jumper, digital in Choose what people see me on, but it could also be a scenario that you choose what you see people on, right? And that gets Mm -hmm. a bit scary, you know, like or
1: right.
3: What if you could choose for different people to see you different ways that that <laughs> that gets pretty wild yeah, like
0: for your parents and the, <laughs> the director of your Catholic school, you are wearing something <laughs> you're wearing something else. Yeah, that could be, you know, but there's like this really horrible Black Mirror episode in which you could right. block people, so you couldn't hear them anymore or, or see them anymore or something like that.
2: Oof, all this the, stuff is right around the corner, I think. Good and bad. I don't know.
1: The prototypical: if you're nervous about public speaking, imagine the audience naked. You know, you could just have some goggles that just do that for you. It makes the whole experience but a lot that's easier.
0: America, <laughs> and I never understood that. Americans always say That's like, how does that help me? Imagine a bunch of naked people—that's horrible. <laughs> no, I mean, I want people to be well dressed. Maybe never, it never was a bunch of naked guys. And they, right. No. Oh See, I
2: love God. it. Yeah, just imagine them all in uh, in really nice outfits. Yeah, you know, yeah, dressed yeah Very friendly
0: yeah. faces. Friendly. Imagine yeah. them naked, like, what is this? I never got it. Good very point. Amazing. It should <laughs> be imagine
1: <laughs> the audience smiling and engaged. That's what it should be. Yeah. Yes. All right. Let's let's hit this last topic. Fascinating conversation. Clearly, there needs to be a Back to the Future update here for the next metaverse incarnation here. But next headline: DKNY to auction its first. NFT to benefit American Nurses Foundation sounds great DKNY will auction its first NFT featuring a new logo to benefit the American Nurses Foundation auction will open September 1 at DKNY.rad.live and will appear on the DKNY brand creative ready to wear and accessories beginning September 8th yeah so and we haven't talked about this much uh, but it's definitely come up a lot in here brands partnering with charities to kind of get into the NFT space? It seems like kind of like a soft way to make an entry where you can lower the amount of risk and still do some good and get your feet wet. I don't know if you've had to, if if you've kind of encountered this sort of, it seems like an easy, like I said, like a soft way to get into NFTs for for a larger brand.
0: It's a good strategy. I think a lot of of people brands and institutions are a bit concerned to Have the public perception that they're just jumping because it's they want to participate in the hype cycle, so they don't want to be perceived like we're just going in for the money, while they still want to start like experimenting with the technology and what the goods can be, what can be done with this type of goods. So I think do it for charity is a great is a great way. I was I was talking to this fairly famous British artist, and he was like, oh, I don't want to people think that I am doing it for money. And it's like, oh, give it away for free. Just solve your problem. Don't sell it. Just give it away. Like, like Radiohead a couple of years ago, or like maybe 15 years ago, I said You could choose how much you pay for the album. Back then, they did the release, and you could choose how much you pay. So you could pay zero or 10 or 20 or whatever, and you will still get access. So I think people could do strategies like this. And I think it's a really cool way to say, hey, we're in for the technology. We're actually considerate. We're not in to participate in the hype cycle, which I think is a pretty, pretty cool way to do it. And the reason. that's great
1: advice yeah definitely yeah i think it's fun to have the you know the fashion brands like as we talked about earlier It's sort of an obvious place to get into this stuff um i'm going to this this website dkny.rad.live you know some really beautiful digital artwork and you know just kind of like pleasing and and interesting and and you know why not have a brand like that get into things like this and and present us with their coolest attempts at at what's going on love it anything else we want to chit chat about that or
2: I would just say the culture. I love the culture of uh of giving back and and social good around all of this. It's it's really like part of the DNA, I think, of what's happening in, in uh in blockchain in, in particular with NFTs. You know, it's just great to see that, that mindfulness and the impact it can have. So
3: Yeah, totally. Man, this was amazing, Marjorie. I, I know we had to sort of combine schedules for a while to make this happen. It was totally worth it. Great to have you on the show with us today
0: was super nice to talk to the three of you. I love, I love this trio. You guys are amazing. Can, can I ask you something? What is, what is your guys' favorite uh, NFT moment so far? What has been the moment that you guys have really enjoyed? I know you guys have the host.
1: When
3: we launched Edge of NFT, probably. <laughs> uh-huh. You right. know, I got to say, I became a fanboy recently when I got an ON1. And it was a special one. And then the next day I was at a uh, a get together in LA and I met two of the founders and I heard this story of how they came together at bright moments just months previously and the struggles that they had been through as artists and creators and how this collection, which is now sold over a hundred million dollars of of in Ethereum, probably more than that by the time the show airs you know, how it was a genesis of, of creative collaboration and friendship over three months that has changed their lives. And now the biggest brands in the world are all hitting them up on the daily. And they're very down-to-earth guys. And, you know, it just, for me, symbolized everything that's possible with this industry. And it sort of is ingrained in my mind, meeting those guys and, and their humility, in spite of the fact they just sold... Uh, over 100 million dollars of NFTs two days previous to that.
0: It's cool when cool people make money. Always feels nice.
3: Most definitely, yeah. No, for me, it's the when Dapper
2: Labs, you know, brought the original kind of beta version of NBA Top Shots to market in like August of last year, because I'd been following them for a long time, and we'd had this idea of bouncing around around doing something very, very similar to what they were doing. And when I saw how well they did it and uh, how they made it community oriented and um, just the the the, the deliberate kind uh, of nature of their approach i was like wow this is game changing now i didn't know it was going to be as game changing as it actually was at that time otherwise i would have bought a lot more uh, nba top shot moments but 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 it was it was so cool to see that and i and i knew it was an inflection point you know for me that was really the most special moment in nft so far that i've experienced personally and you know it's led to a lot of what uh, what, uh, what we're all experiencing i think right now
0: Great. Right,
2: true. But yeah, look, Marjorie, so great to have you on. Amazing to hear about everything you're up to and, uh, and your perspective on so many different things. We're really excited for you and, and Luxo. Where can folks go to like, uh, follow your journey and, and, um, and on social and, and other places um, about the future?
0: Yeah, well, our Twitter and our Discord are the places to go. So I think we're at Luxo, and the server, I think, is also called Luxo and Discord. And Discord is really cool because all of our team communications also happen in this course, So we are always there. So it's the easiest way to reach if you want to reach the developers or anybody in the team. We're all looking at it. So it's, it's a good place. And Twitter, we, we fairly share a good amount of information over there as well.
3: And then Decentralized, it's the same? Uh, dematerialized. Dematerialized, yeah.
0: yes. It's with an S. It's the British spelling because it's a UK-based company. Uh, based company. And my co-founder is Scottish. So we went for... British variation instead of American variation. So it's a dematerialized in, um in both. And, and yeah, we are launching our our Discord server right now. It's private, but we will open it up. And then yeah, Instagram is also uh, a very
3: and it sounds like we're we're not quite ready to announce it, but there will be some kind of of special opportunity for our listeners coming coming up with one of your upcoming drop. Is that correct?
0: Yes, there's something very special coming up in September. So it's going to for sure. It's a partnership that Luxo will announce and we're making the first kind of like manifestation of that partnership with a drop in the dematerialized. It's a really, really beautiful collectible that we assume is going to sell out really fast. And we can reserve one for one of your lucky, lucky, lucky listeners.
3: That's really amazing. We appreciate that. We try to stay on the edge of NFTs. And, and sometimes that means the pre-announcement edge. So thanks so much.
0: Yeah, no, this is a very, this is a very good one. It's, and it's a, it's, I think it's a culturally very relevant NFT,
3: which is good as well. Awesome. We
2: appreciate it. Okay, well, we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Want to help co-create Edge of NFT with us? Got guests you want to see on the episode? Questions for hosts or guests? An NFT you'd like us to review? Drop us a line at contact at edgeofnft.com or tweet at us at edgeofnft to get in the mix. Lastly, be sure to tune in next week for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today.